experiment uh, with Devin and Nathan here. And where we wanted to pick off, pick up from, is that English? <laughs> we wanted to pick up on uh, maybe something we should have done closer to the beginning. Uh, which is the, the we talk about what is money and the fundamentals of money and the list of assumptions that people have to overcome to start questioning the money they currently have and possibly adopt a better one and but we never haven't yet gone through what those actually are we might tease them at the end of the last episode um, but the the five characteristics of money being divisibility durability portability recognizability and scarcity and there's actually really interesting history behind all of these. And, you know, if you never really think about money because you've never had to, uh, it's kind of fascinating to dive into all of these characteristics and be like, oh, yeah, you would have to have that in order for money to work. And money is better and worse. You know, like gold is better than seashells for all of these. I've never been able to articulate why it's a better money than seashells, but now that we have these frameworks of these five characteristics yeah it very clearly is a better money because it's better than seashells at these this set of things i mean yeah people on uh, you see people all the time that it, they they think that the new sediment around money is that it's it's non it's representative of nothing and that we can just print it out of thin air and um and that that there's no punishment for that, like creating as much money as we want, as long as we have power, then, um, then there's, there's no backfall. But I mean, as we got into last, um, podcast and last week, uh, we, we saw that, you know, it's more of just borrowing from future people. Um, and, and that, that has its punishments. And now we're starting to see the fruits of that having to work more to, to get to the same points um, and buy the same stuff, you have to to do more output uh, to get the same uh, to or to get less input, uh, and that's problematic in itself. Right, um, so- you make a great point. Like that, it, ignorance to how money works isn't always innocent. Like I just late, like I just suggested, it might be like you don't have to really think about money. No, the real, really, the downsides are if you don't take a second to think about these five divisibility, durability, portability, recognizability, and scarcity, uh, you will accept inferior monies just because you don't know any better. And that leads to um, all kinds of problems. And Robert Breedlove and others argue it's the foundational problem in society right now. It kind of connects to, to everything else. And so we can kind of go, we go into, I don't know, the, the history of each and the pros of what monies have done it well and which have done it poorly. And um, the the reasons we're in the financial monetary crisis that we're in right now. Yeah, hundred percent. So for the kickoff, um, I, I'd love to know your concept on divisibility. Um, that's the first one that you have there. Um, the importance and the history that you have um, for divisibility and the necessity for it. Yeah. So uh, divisibility just means you can split it up into equal subunits that when you know, kind of added together, form the whole. Uh, so you can't have, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, if, uh, if when you break something apart, the equal part, the parts that it's broken into aren't equal to each other. Like uh, you can't deal in uh, like automobiles because you can't take the parts of an automobile apart into parts that are equal to each other. Um, 
And so cars make a really bad money for divisibility. Uh, but gold was a, a, a great, assuming that the gold was pure and that you could test it, that's a whole other uh, issue. But assuming you can divide gold into smaller pieces of gold, you know, if you put a, hit it with a hammer and it breaks into a bunch of pieces, if you put all those pieces in your hand, it's still worth the original weight that you had when it was one nugget or whatever. And so, each piece is worth equal, uh, equal to its size or uh, uh, component shape. Um, and, and so it's not like you were saying, like it's not, um, it's directly divisible equally all across the board. Uh, and I find that to be an extremely uh, powerful component. So and I guess that's an important point. The pieces that you break it into don't have to be equal to each other, but it has to be proportionally equal to the whole. So mm -hmm. uh, we have quarters and dimes, but quarters aren't worth dimes, but that quarter is 25% of a dollar. And the, you see you have bigger and smaller chunks of gold, but by weight, they're still as the small chunks are as proportionally valuable as the larger chunks. And so that's really important for money because um, divisibility is really important in trading and bartering because not everything is weighted at the same scale. You need to be able to break your money down so that you can trade more finely. And it, that leads to uh, price, price. We'll talk about prices a lot and how fundamental they are as in terms of conveying information. But divisibility lets prices be more and more and more accurate. You know, divisibility, if you can carry the decimal places out further, you get a more accurate price than if you have to weigh stuff in gold nuggets and there's no way to split up the gold nuggets. A hundred percent. And so that is the, uh, I never thought about that, but uh, I've never seen too much of a, an advantage of gold versus Bitcoin. I, I, but that is a huge advantage that Bitcoin has over gold it is the fact that it is infinitely divisible um, and equally valuable in each of its parts, no matter how many times you divide it. Um, whereas gold, it gets to a point where it, it becomes really hard to divide it into a small yep. sector to where it can still uh, because it has to be done physically, whereas um, on a on a on a interweb form uh, like Bitcoin, uh, that's not a problem. It's just a, a matter of uh, numbers, which makes it uh, more equally divisible, but also easier, a, a more efficient divisibility, um, which I think is actually a really powerful concept. Yeah, we'll talk about this in a few other characteristics, but maybe one of the biggest problems with gold is. Um, portability is its physicality is, is um, there's this really small window of where gold is practical in terms of its size. You know, if, uh, if gold is this giant block, you can't move it around or it's risky to move it around or it's heavy and you can't slide it across the counter at somebody where, or at the other end of the spectrum, if you have to keep shaving, if gold is the money and uh, the gold supply gets super limited. If you keep having to shave down pieces of gold because it becomes worth more and more, it gets to a point where beyond smaller than a dime or a small coin, you lose it easily. Uh, it's hard to manipulate with your hands. It's, it's hard to verify. You can't see the president's face on it. You know, whatever it is, there's this really small spectrum of practical size for gold. And that just does not apply to Bitcoin at all. People are scared of the digital component of of digital nature of Bitcoin, but one of its huge advantages is very clear and easy divisibility. It's just decimal and, points. And in comparison to, to fiat currency, the divisibility cannot be manipulated. Uh, so, so as the value um, may increase or decrease over time, um, whereas 
with uh, so with Bitcoin, it'll be exactly representative of the economy that it's in. Um, whereas uh, when you can manipulate it, that your portion is now no longer exactly representative over time of the economy that it's in because the manipulation factor that's allowed on the outside on the outside of it. So if they take more debt, um, and then that uh, the inflation rate goes up, and your your portion is not worth what it was before. Um, whereas with Bitcoin, that manipulation can't happen, um, and, and that kind of goes into a couple of the other uh, factors. But it also applies uh, to the divisibility factor, I believe. And I think that's uh, extremely important, uh, important, and um, and something that I haven't never really conceptualized. So I, I love that that was one of the pieces on there that you had. Yeah, I think your point speaks more to scarcity than it does yeah. divisibility. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's still an, a really important point to bring up. And scarcity might be the biggest one or the biggest difference between the US dollar and Bitcoin. So that might take a little bit more time. Divisibility sounds, there's a nice little practical advantage that uh, that Bitcoin has, but I don't think divisibility is necessarily the largest concern when debating between US dollar, gold, and Bitcoin. There's others that kind of take priority, or we we would figure out answers to, to visibility more easily than some of the other ones. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and I think uh, that's a, a good segue into the durability because um, you kind of got the the same points in in gold. Um, whereas gold is extremely durable over time. Um, it, it's still not infinitely durable. Um, there is some um, natural loss uh, of gold. Um, so I'd like to see what you thought about the definition of durability for money and, and how that applies um, to Bitcoin versus fiat currency versus gold. Yeah. Dur durability seems simple to me too. There might be some other complicated concepts that I'm not thinking of, uh, but durability just means it's not going to like f literally fall apart in your hands or that it's not easy to lose or maintain or, you know, um, yeah, and that gets into some of the problems with paper cash, which if you have a, if you have a system for inc paper, paper money has some serious advantages to it. Uh, it's easy, it's divisible. It's very, very portable. So you're trading off durability for portability with, um, cash, and if you have a way to trade in, you know, assuming it's a, a great hard money and everything's working well, if you have an ability to trade in paper money uh, for new paper money, thus getting rid of the divisibility or the durability problem, um, then you don't really have to worry about how fragile it is. Uh, well, with Bitcoin, we, don't, we don't really live in that system. Yeah, I was going to say uh, with Bitcoin, it's, it is infinitely durable where, whereas, uh, like, you know, it's, it, it is what it is and it, it can't be changed. There's no, um, it, whereas paper money also is, is pretty durable. Um, but you know, you, it can be, um, replicated. Um, it can be, uh, which goes into more of the scarcity as well. Um, but it can also be ripped apart. Um, it can be caught on fire. I mean, you, uh, the you, you see that with the um in mexico with the drug cartel when they were making so much money they literally just were burning it and that affects scarcity but it also speaks to the durability factor um not having a durable money you wouldn't have been able to do that with bitcoin you can't 
just set Bitcoin on fire. I mean, I guess you could, or you wouldn't need to, you wouldn't want to set uh, Bitcoin on fire. Um, and I don't know what your thought about this. I, I think the trackability, uh, I don't know if that's another factor that could, could be placed into there. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Probably under um, portability and recognizability, which are the next mm-hmm. few that we'll talk about is trackability or, uh, or verifiability. Um, uh, but in, yeah, in terms of durability, you make a really good point. And that's why gold has been such a great money for such a long time is even if you melt gold down, uh, it's just, you know, liquid gold. It's really hard to destroy gold. It's really hard to like mix it with other things. It's um, and alchemy, you know, people have been trying to synthesize gold chemically forever, and it's, it's the, impossible. You can't really do it. Um, we can so do it in a lab now, but it costs more than. Uh, yeah, it, it would cost more than the price than than it would be worth to create the gold. But that might not always be the case. That's a, so that's an inherent problem with gold. Yeah, exactly. Because if it ever becomes cheaper to print the gold. Um, and the same thing goes with uh, fiat currency. If uh, as it becomes cheaper to print a fiat currency, oh. then it would be to just um, obtain it. Then why wouldn't people take advantage of that money system? Right. Um, well, you don't even have to print the fiat currency now. Before they would print expensive dollars, they would just say, "We don't. We're not printing this anymore. Here's a credit card." Yeah. A hundred percent. And so they can pretend, you know, pretend money is not there that, that is there. And, uh, um, and that, that speaks to a, a whole plethora of problems. Um, um, but I, I don't want to take up too much time on that. Uh, I'd love to well, get these definitions, uh, finite before we get into that. Um, so by portability, um, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Portability is the ability to store it and transfer it between parties and move it as a, as a, as a self-custodian, move it yourself. So it needs to be able to be moved. You know, you can't have Easter Island heads as currency. Do you think that that is a disadvantage of um, Bitcoin comparatively to fiat currency or um, what do you say on that? Not at all. I think, well, I, this, maybe this gets into the energy usage criticism of Bitcoin. If we want to go down that road um, or that it caught, it does cost something to transfer Bitcoin between parties. Uh, But there, I don't know, there's a transaction cost with moving anything. Um, Credit cards cost anywhere from one to 3% for merchants right now. Transfers Uh, across the country. You have to pay, you have to pay when, whenever you, Uh, whenever you transfer a U.S. dollar into a Thai bot, uh, or if you, um, it, it's also not easily portable. You can't take a U.S. dollar and go spend it in Thailand, um, whereas you can take a, a U.S. dollar and go spend it, uh, or you could take a U.S. or a, not U.S. Take a Bitcoin, um, and you can spend it anywhere that will accept the Bitcoin. If everywhere accepted, it would be fully portable. Absolutely. And it, and under portability comes risk and expense with physical transportation and storage. So this is a massive problem with gold. Yeah. Uh, and even, well, even the US dollar, as long as people are still valuing it, is that it's really risky to take large amounts of money or any amounts of money. It just like risk scales with the amount of money that you're moving. Uh, across borders or into dangerous territories, or even if you want to store it in your own vault. I didn't even think about that. 
which it, it it automatically makes you feel like you don't it'd be better off if you let somebody else take on that risk for you um but which are risks to doing that too <laughs> yeah which is uh, is why we we give all of our money to the bank and we let them hold it because we feel like well if i hold on to this this could be stolen from me um this could be i could just lose it um there's so many different uh problems that come along with trying to hold and hoard all of your own money but the the whole reason that we put so much trust in banks um, is really because it, it's not easily portable, um, which is why we use credit cards. But it's also because of the the fact that it can be lost, stolen, um, and, and so there's a lot of portability issues. I feel like that work with fiat currency. I never thought about the ones with gold as well. Um, is who wants to carry it around? Yeah, <laughs> Fort, Fort around? Knox. Fort Knox is like uh, an idiom for a reason. You know, it's, it's something you that's super secure. And Fort Knox used to store at least part of or a large percentage of the U.S. gold reserves. And so it, it think of it, this goes back to uh, why the energy like Bitcoin called, um, requires too much energy and electricity to preserve um, is a dumb argument is think about the infrastructure that goes into storing and protecting the fiat currencies and the golds of the world. How much wasted energy that is. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, it's not I, wasted. It's like per, it's providing a value, but like it, it uh, it's wasted it's, in comparison to Bitcoin. Yeah. So, so like if you take the two systems side by side, um, not that there isn't a cost because we, we spoke about the cost, um, but to to be able to hold your to bank your own money in Bitcoin. I'm not sure what the fee would be to have your own keys set up, um, but I, I assume that the the fees that come along with banking are, are much higher, um, especially when you uh, adjust for inflation um, versus deflation. And uh, and the real hidden fees are the corruption of the money itself. And you're, I think people will always want to trust a certain amount of their money to a custodian to somebody else for convenience sake or for security sake, or you might not all keep all your eggs in one basket forever, all of your figurative gold buried in your figurative backyard. Um, so there might always be a service for that, but th that can be applied to Bitcoin as well. You might hold some of your own and trust other people to hold other amounts for other reasons. So you don't, a future where everybody has to hold all of their own stuff isn't necessarily true. Um, but the, I think I would argue one of the like if we didn't give our paper money or gold to banks because we had a portability problem, if we didn't all collectively do that in the first place, they never would have been able to go off the gold standard. They wouldn't have ever been able to print money out of nowhere, uh, move to fractional reserve banking. So this portability problem is us handing over our own power our own rights slowly over time. Yeah. Uh, and and so people have never thought about even claiming them back because they've lived their whole lives without ever being re responsible for their own money. They've outsourced their responsibility, which has pros and cons. I'll admit that. But well, I think who, if you ask the question like this, uh, who do you trust more uh, with with your money? Uh, family member um, that you are are really close with, your wife, uh, your kids, um, who is maybe who you're trying to leave, leave it with, um, yourself. Uh, or do you trust a bank um, with your with your money? And, and 
uh, or the government with your money. And I think with Bitcoin, you have the ability to choose mm-hmm. all of those factors yep. and you can pick which one do you trust the most. And it can still be safe and secure. And um, and you have they have, like he talks about often in his podcast, the multi-key systems. You can give other people different keys, to, uh, uh, other different access keys um, to be able to hold on to your money, as in you are your own banker, um, which is totally different with now. You're almost left with no choice. And you're, you only can choose the government or banks or you can trust yourself, but you put yourself at an inc- incredibly high liability because you could your house could be broken into and all of your money could be stolen or wherever you choose to hide your money, it could all be stolen. Um, go ahead. No, I was, I was, I just said, right. Yeah. I, and you're absolutely right. There's huge risks with uh, us dollars and gold self custody, cud self custodying it. Uh, it's, it's subject to seizure. Yeah. Robert Breedlove talks about that all the time. Ideally, if we could design the perfect money, it would be unseizable by yeah. without consent or, you know, like, and that's pretty close with Bitcoin. I mean, there is hacking and stuff, but it that that can even be perfected. I mean, we're like we talked about last time. We're we're in uh, you know the first eleven years of uh, of Bitcoin, and, and so that part of it can be uh, alleviated over time. Um, but you know that same exists, same exact thing ha- can happen to a bank as well right. uh, at the same proclivity because uh, I mean it's the same thing as zeros and ones and and the ability to code. If anything, Bitcoin I would say is probably a more complex system than the system that they're using to protect your money in a bank. Um, I think and they've so- proven that that's true. Like crypto wallet addresses and seed mm-hmm. phrases are more are harder to hack than an in, in, in a bank account. Exactly. I mean, we see it all the time. People get their bank accounts stolen from and uh, and and maybe the bank secures it, but at, at what cost? Um, and, and people have this idea that everything is is free, but every time something like that happens, you are borrowing from the totality of the economy. They The bank's just not going to take a loss. Like that, they have to be making money or they're not going to operate. So, you know, that you're taking a loss for that protection of your money. Whereas Bitcoin allows that same protection of your money at no loss to yourself, um, which, or at, at a much lower cost if you want to use a third party. Um, but, but it could be a much lower cost because they don't have to, um, in, invest your money and promise money that they don't have in order to be able to manipulate uh, uh, the money that they do have to make more um, and at at a large risk. Um, and we've had to set up laws that give them advantages in the stock market just so that we have more security in the banks. Um, and so all of those things go away whenever you're using a Bitcoin system, because now the stock market can be set up fairly and evenly for everyone, because you don't need more security for the banks. You don't need more security for these high-end hedge funds. Uh, and then now we all have the even equal fair opportunity to get to the same place. Uh, and I think that all starts at the heart uh, of that portability uh, aspect. Absolutely. Man. Uh, 
And I thought of a few points along the way and forgot the original point I was going to make. But yeah, oh, think of the armies of cybersecurity professionals that are um, currently employed that that uh, are just to make sure that the banks don't get hacked. Like all that goes away with Bitcoin. Uh, think of the physical infrastructure, everything from electricity to concrete to bank vaults that's storing what few physical real assets are actually in banks and safety security deposit boxes. You know, some of that'll still exist. People still have security deposit boxes for other valuables in the future, even Bitcoin cold storage wallets and things like that. But um, all of that has to be considered when people are like, Bitcoin is just this add on energy expense that doesn't exist right now uh, with our current system. And like, that's not true. There's a giant, there are countries worth of electricity's propping up the current fiat system. And then if you want to get a little tinfoil hatty, but like it, I don't, Go ahead and try to argue with me. Uh, the U.S. Army, the U.S. military is defending the U.S. fiat system. And yes. the, US, the U.S. Department of Defense, the Pentagon, the branches of the military, are the single largest polluter and energy consumer in the entire world. 100%. And if, if that power didn't need to be wrestled upon people and dominated and posed so that the U.S. dollar maintained its global reserve currency status, how much energy would be freed up? A hundred percent. We know this is true because they admit it's true. They, they, they tell you the most likely places for another country to attack. And one of the most likely places in the United States, you can look it up, um, Google it uh, on any form. And one of the most likely places uh, is going to be Fort Knox because of its gold storage. Um, and, or even its history of possibility of gold storage. Um, and, and so the World Trade Center also um, was uh, obviously under attack. Um, and so the, we are protecting, in a way, our, our fiat currency. Um, and, and that's always been the case for every country since the, the dawn of time. But Bitcoin puts a real safe protection against it simply because it, instead of it being this one large community of money, it is individuals. And so what are you going to do? Go attack one person at a time and steal all of their money? That's much more difficult to do than attacking an entire system. Um, so the protections needed, the wasted energy on protections needed it, it is totally different with Bitcoin as well. It is. It is. Um, well, we have ideas that'll tie back into the first three, but I think that's enough of a kind of an overview on portability. Um, recognizability is the next one, four out of five. Um, and recognizability is people's ability to agree that the currency being exchanged is what it says it is or something like that. I just made that up on the spot, but uh, how do you know that what they're paying with is money or what you're, what you're paying with is money? Uh, how do you know that the hundred dollar note is worth a hundred dollars? And so this has seen a huge evolution in the history of currency. Um, it used to be um, like precious metals. We can go with precious metals like gold and silver. You know, they were crudely cut. Um, back to the divisibility problem, you know, if you had to shear a piece of metal off, you know, they had people had to use scales, but even then you have to trust that the no silver in the pot isn't like, isn't tin or platinum or, you know, isn't 
something other than what people say it is. And um, that when people got more sophisticated, when it came to counterfeiting, they would put cheaper metals inside more expensive metals so that from the outside, it looked like legit, uh, but on the inside, it was filler or nothing. Um, so how, so governments or issuers of currency had a problem. How do we make sure that our currency is recognizable and is what it says it is, because if it's not, people will lose faith in it and it will cease to become a currency. So there's this really cool Darwin, Darwinianism for currencies. Uh, the ones that are less suitable will die off over time and the, the best ones will rise to the top naturally. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to go off of recognizability, uh, the the fiat currency, compared to the fiat currency that exists um, now, we obviously know that we have to put in a lot of infrastructure, a lot of energy into constantly updating. Everybody knows they came out with a new $100 bill um, that was even harder to counterfeit, right? We're going to have to continually update this idea of making sure that people cannot counterfeit our um, notes, our, our idea of money. Um, whereas the recognizability of Bitcoin, it doesn't change and doesn't need to. You can't create a fake Bitcoin. <laughs> it's it's not even possible to create a fake Bitcoin, to my right. knowledge. Um, and and um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's like uh, an 100% fact. Am I right on that? Yeah, it's. I think it's it's cryptographically impossible because uh, yeah. you have to because the the blockchain, the Bitcoin ledger that's been running for over a decade now. It's like that's the whole network is, mm -hmm. is verifying who has what amounts. So you can't falsify that, or you can. I mean, you can, but it, but it will be just your node that says that, and yeah. uh, the other nodes will reject you because your blockchain doesn't match everybody else's. You can get people to opt into your new ledger, but it would just be like this small group and it'd be this off fork of the main Bitcoin ch chain. And people are like, no, I don't want to follow this random little off chain. I'm going to follow the main one. It'll be instantly recognizable. Uh, it goes back to It'll be instantly recognizable, rec recognizable by the system that it's a counterfeit mm -hmm. in the system, um, which is different than than fiat currency and gold. Whereas Correct. gold and fiat currency, it's not... It, you can put work in it, work into it, wasted energy, which is what uh, work is energy uh, output. Um, you can put work into recognizing whether gold is real gold and you can put work into recognizing whether a dollar is a real dollar. But the system does it itself with Bitcoin. It okay. is instantly recognizable as a uh, entity of uh, of the money system that you're choosing to use instantly recognizable and perfectly recognizable um which it, it, i i wonder the, the only thing i wonder is will it be recognizable um like so if someone steals your bitcoin um which is already harder to do but if they steal your bitcoin would you be able to trace it back and get it back get it back to the original owner or is um, that something they still have to figure out how to do? Is that even possible to figure out? Um, uh, questions. By, by steal it, do you mean gain access to your actual yeah, coins or like steal flash drives that they don't have access, you know, that they don't know the password for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like steal flash drives that they don't know the password. So it's like you steal someone uh, else's no. password. So if that was, if, if that was, if you don't know your seed phrase, you have no way to like, you can cold store it on a flash drive but you need to, it's a good question. I'm pretty sure it, 
if it's completely cold, if it's only located on that flash drive, you wouldn't have a way to access it and it's just gone. Yeah. Uh, but I, there, still but there are ways to self custody where you can access it remotely where you would still need to know the seed phrase. But I think there are situations that, yeah, people are searching for flash drives uh, in, in land landfills right now. I don't know if you've heard those stories about people yeah. having millions and millions of dollars on old hard drives and they're, they spend years of their lives searching landfills. Cause if they find it, it's worth it. Um, uh, but that, that's a self-custody re- responsibility problem that we will get better at over time. But also an inherent amount of risk is really important because if yeah. we delegate it all away, then we get into that like fractional reserve banking and uh, inflation yeah. theft problem we talked about earlier. Exactly. And it, a little more responsibility in individuals is the general trend that's going to need to happen for a better future. Yes. Not just ethically responsible. It's ethically responsible as a community to have that responsibility um, it, to safeguard your own anything. I mean, like anything, any of your possessions can be stolen um, and you take on a, a personal responsibility to safeguard those. Um, and, and, you know, that's why we own personal houses, why we lock our doors. Uh, it, it'd be the same thing uh, with that currency as it is with fiat currency. It's, it's definitely not a disadvantage. If it, um, but I, I, that was just a question that I had. Um, All kinds of industries and devices will pop up to help you do that, too. Because there's a demand for it. If people have to self-custody all of their own assets in their house or you know whatever it ends up being, there's a huge demand. People are naturally worried. I'm worried about having my entire net worth stored on a flash drive or whatever it ends up being. So I have a demand for secure self-custody. If there is a demand in a free market, people will supply solutions for that demand. One- so don't worry, guys. We'll be all right. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so we'll get into the the last but most important fundamental of money, um, which is scarcity. So I'd love for you to uh, go in and detail um, what, what you mean by scarcity and why it's so important. Uh, yeah, uh, scarcity is just uh, an acknowledgement of physics at a fundamental level. Um, but Uh, It acknowledges some really fundamental and praxeological principles of economics, too, is that scarcity just means that there isn't an unlimited supply of something. Or if there is no scarcity, then it is unlimited. The best monies are scarce, and the scarcity is known and predictable. So gold has done really well as a currency over the last few thousand years because gold is really hard to find new supplies of, hence the gold rush and things that, you know, people panning for gold. It takes a lot of work to add to the overall supply of gold. It's very expensive to do, Um, but it has been increasing at about one and a half to 2% year over year. So the the supply of gold is increasing. Um, And, but even if this, we're arguing that Inflation is a bad thing and not having a hard cap on money is a bad thing. And we can get into that. It's a whole podcast by itself. Um, But assuming that we all agree that a a fixed cap or at least a predictable trickle increase in the supply is better than having no idea what the supply is. 
mining gold at one or two percent a year on earth is way better than a giant gold asteroid crashing into earth drastically and unpredictably increasing the supply of gold Um, because when users of a currency can't predict its supply its current value is harder to determine and if you can't determine the value of what you have then uh, pr- then pricing gets all screwed up and savings gets all screwed up and risk gets all screwed up. So we want to know how much supply that there is. And the biggest advantage that Bitcoin has over gold and especially this completely broken fiat system yeah. is an absolute scarcity. There are 21 million Bitcoin. They're not all mined yet. They will be. Uh, and uh, it will never be more than 21 million. A big part of the Bitcoin network um, is not only... Um, uh, reinforcing and confirming previous transactions, but it is enforcing the hard cap of 21 million. That's built into the code. It, it's that, it's that, would you rather have your money lose value over time or would you rather have your money increase in value over time? Uh, and it, it goes back to that simple concept of because the fiat currency can be inflated uh, and, and can be, uh, they can borrow from the future. They can uh, increase their debt ceiling um, continually. Um, the money is not scarce at all now. There's there's no scarcity to the current fiat currency because they can keep printing as much as they want. And so the value is unknown and unknown to everyone. Uh, the true value and it can be manipulated very easily with gold that you also run into the ability for in the future, especially for be able not only on earth for an asteroid to crash on earth, but for people to go into another planet, um, find fun, fundamental, um, like fundamental metals, precious metals, um, and good alchemists can turn that money quickly and cheaply into gold. And if that ever becomes cheaper than gold itself, then you're going to run into the problem in the future of gold losing its value quickly over time. Um, And so both of those are inherent problems that nobody would want. Nobody would want the money that they have to not be worth what it is now in the future. But for some reason, the only person that wants that radical supply increase is the person that found it. Or the people, yeah. clo- the people that have control over introducing more supply because they definitely gain from it. Yeah, and the, but we've, we've somehow accepted it as a as a country, as a world. We accepted this idea that mm-hmm. scarcity is not important to the value of money. Yeah, it, it blows my mind to to, a, to, a, to an extent that we don't understand how important the scarcity aspect is. To me, it is 10 times more important than every other one of these um, points, but they're equally, um, they all have to be there to make a good money. But this one is the one that really controls uh, whether or not you can be manipulated and your money system can be manipulated and thus your trust in money can be manipulated. And if your trust in money can be manipulated, you start making decisions based off of that fact. Right. And we see, we see that all the time now. I, I think even the fact that we're making things out of plastic um, and, and things, uh, at, you know, instead of making things that are going to last, you know, a hundred years, that's what he, Robert talks about in, in his podcast. Uh, and, and so I, I just wonder, um, is there any way for Bitcoin scarcity to be manipulated? I'll ask you that. And then I have another follow-up question from somebody and that posed a question on Twitter or posed a statement on Twitter. Yeah, I, I do want to get to that. But I stumbled upon that uh, gold meteor analogy 
And, and I think it's a, a perfect, simple explanation of um, the cancel on effect. The, whenever the government decides to change the supply of the US dollar or print a bunch of money, effectively what they're doing is finding a giant gold meteor and introducing it to the system. If you acknowledge that if we were on gold and you wouldn't want the gold, a supply of gold to radically and unpredictably increase at a certain point in time, because that would negatively affect the value of your gold, why wouldn't the same be true for the government doing it with US dollars? Exactly. So that's an easier way to understand the cancel on effect is the people that are incentivized to radically and unpredictably increase the supply without any consequences are the people that find the gold meteor in the desert. They, of course, they want that. Uh, it doesn't cost them anything and they benefit hugely from it. Even if all the gold is worth less, the gold that they find is still worth something to a point of hyperinflation. Um, but you don't benefit at all from it. Their win, their supply increase that wasn't approved of by you negatively affects you. The same is true with dollars. Every time they print the 31 trillion that we're in debt, the omnibus spending, the trillion dollars a year for the military, the stimulus checks from COVID, all of that stuff is people finding gold meteors and your gold is worth less. And we um, say and yes, it's, it's the same, and it's the same person over and over again. It's not like people are getting lucky, good for them. You know, a prospector strikes it rich. You know, you that guy, you know, he he got lucky and worked really hard. The government just they have a monopoly. The government's the only one that's allowed to prospect. They're the yeah. only ones that are allowed to go mine for gold. You're not, or you will be put in jail. A hundred. So why do we tolerate this? It, it's it's crazy that we tolerate. It's, it's not even that we tolerate it. it, it it's that we exonerate it. it we we praise it. it. The second that the government says, "Hey, we can print some more money to do this or to to give to you for yeah. this," we're they put you in this fear hole. Um, where you, you get into a bad position. Um, and I'm not saying that they do this purposefully. I'm not going to put on the tinfoil hat in that way, but it's possible. Um, but but they they when scare, scary things happen in the world, such as COVID, they use that as an ability to print a bunch of extra money because you're at this point without it and you need it to survive. Um, and, and so they utilize that as an ability to print their own money with no consequences on the back end for them. Right. Right, giving giving you little tastes of money, uh, stimulus checks, um, or writing hundreds of billions of dollars to bail out corporations and you know provide loans. They give you a little taste and give somebody else way more. And uh, who'd have predicted it? Uh, there's a very small group of people that predicted it perfectly. That uh, yeah, inflation would rise just as much or more than whatever the stimulus check was worth within a year or two of them sending them. So yeah, you Look didn't make any at. money. You're paying more for groceries and gas and every single thing under the sun, more than canceling out the nice little gift that the gods in Washington, D.C. sent you in the mail. Yeah, they gave you a so little quick falling for it. That's, it's just it's a fundamental concept of money. They gave you a six hundred dollar check a, a couple times, a, a couple times a month. And now houses are worth. $200,000 more and your bread costs a dollar more a piece. Your milk costs a dollar more a piece. Everything. So there's, there's no tricking it. There's no tricking the system. If no, if you introduce more supply, you just, that information gets dispersed throughout the economy. There's nothing you can do to stop it. And it's just worth your, your dollars worth less. And so back to your question that you actually asked before I went on the gold meteor analogy, can the hard cap of 21 million ever be faked? It's like, and, or, uh, changed and I mean no I'm not a I'm not a Bitcoin expert but like the the reason it's survived this long and why it's proven to be a great money 
is built into the code is a constant reinforcing of that 21 million hard cap. It's one of the rule sets. It's uh, it's one of the first things that gets checked is uh, does this comply with the 21 million hard cap rule? Okay, and now we can keep doing the rest of the calculations. And anything that violates that starts its own fork. It's its own new, Yeah, you can change the code if you want, but you're going to be the only computer. You might get a couple nodes to agree with you, but you guys are going to go off wandering on a path and die because nobody's going to agree with you. It won't be the Bitcoin blockchain. And your and your that exact fear that people have about Bitcoin is an exact reason why they shouldn't trust fiat current for fiat currency. So mm-hmm. that fear that somehow somebody's going to be able to manipulate uh, Bitcoin and stuff—they're already doing that with fiat currency. And so why are you allowing this? You're you're saying be- that we're already getting manipulated, and, oh, and yeah. so a system that's not going to manipulate us. But maybe it could. You're already right, right. manipulated currently. So well, I, under- I understand they would want to put a bunch of effort and faith into adopting a system that ends up with the same problems that they have in their current system. But but yes, you're right. Systematically, it's true. At least systematically, yeah. there's honesty. Well, one is an if maybe, and one of them is a yes, definitely right now. So isn't yeah. the if maybe still better? One thousand percent. Even even though I think it's a no, but even if it's an if maybe. It's 1000% right. better than a yes, definitely. Yes, it's, it's happening yeah. every year. It, it, yeah. that, that concept blows. It, the, only way, the only way it's an if maybe is if it's an unknown unknown. Yeah. We, we, like we know that we know that there's a 21 million hard cap, but of course there's always the unknown unknowns. You know, there's the known unknowns. And I think that was Roosevelt maybe, um, but it, it would be an unknown unknown. Yes, there's always like some f- super freak nature of God or it bends the laws of physics and the Bitcoin rules get broken. All right. Well, that's not a reasonable standard for adopting a new currency, is it? Yeah. So uh, I'll go into to our, our last topic here. Um, and, and this was somebody on Twitter that this is how they described money. Uh, and they said, real money has value because you have to pay taxes in the national currency. Thus, money comes to represent the value being created in the economy in which it serves. Crypto crypto isn't tied to anything except for demand and is inherently unstable and hugely risky. Anything could happen tomorrow. (laughs) What do you think about that statement? I couldn't even follow it enough to understand what they were arguing. (laughs) I mean, the the back end makes sense. The criticism of crypto, like I understand what they're, it's wrong, but I, I got that part. But the beginning is what what are they asserting that the USD has inherently value-wise? Yeah, they said real money has value because you pay taxes to the national currency. Well, that's, there's a lot, yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. The, the words they chose are wrong. It's like a grammatically or... <laughs> it's a grammatical it's a error. <laughs> and, wow. and you're asserting real money. We're arguing about what real money is. Why would you assume, like... Yeah. <laughs> Why would you why would you assume that one your real money and my real money are different? So we gotta agree on terms first. Yes, one thousand percent. And so they're saying that the this the, the only reason that money is real is because we pay taxes to our government. Does that I don't that see any like, connection? Yeah, that should perturb people. The fact that that you're being you are a slave to the government is what makes the money real. The fact that you have to pay someone to make it real to to somehow realize the money is somehow makes it better than than uh, to go to their second line something if, that is unstable, which we just described how Bitcoin is 
drastically more stable than the fiat currency in every way, shape, and form. In every single one of these fundamentals of money, it is drastically more stable. Um, and their argument was that it's unstable. So I think that that gets to the point where people... Their idea of what Bitcoin is, is different than what it actually is, which goes back to the importance mm -hmm. of, of why this podcast is happening and why podcasts like Robert Breedloves is happening is we we need to get an, a more of an education towards people understanding what is Bitcoin instead of allowing these false narratives to just thrive throughout society and mm -hmm. telling you that it, it is unstable and highly risky. When when they mean unstable, highly risky, they're thinking in the concepts of versus the stock market. And so they think, well, Bitcoin went from 60,000 to 15,000. Well, that that only happened because it's not adopted as a as the money system that we utilize. That would not happen if everybody utilized it as the money system it, because of its finite, because of its scarcity that we right. talked about. It would automatically over time increase in value, if anything, or stable as stay as a stable value. Whereas our fiat currency, we know doesn't do that. And, and so that argument in and of itself, I think is just ludicrous. So, so many things wrong with it. Uh, but we'll, we'll save a whole lot of talking past each other if we clearly separate cryptocurrency from Bitcoin. And that doesn't mean all cryptocurrencies yeah. are inherently worthless and not worth talking about. It's just like beyond the scope of what we need to talk about now. If we're talking about the fundamentals of money, divisibility, durability, portability, recognizability, and scarcity, uh, Bitcoin is just like the center of the conversation right now because it has the advocates for it and the code itself has demonstrated that it has the strongest argument for meeting those five criteria the best. And if there's another cryptocurrency that comes along that is somehow able to do that better, then that's a conversation we should have. But um, all of these quasi centralized or controlled cryptocurrencies, it doesn't mean they don't have any utility. Um, and sometimes they might have like more utility, like in terms of uh, smart contracts and NFTs, and there's all kinds of cool things going on in that space. Um, but when people lump Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies together, I, they shouldn't even be under yeah. the same name anymore. I do understand that cryptocurrency applies to the whole umbrella. Um, but I don't know if that person is referring to all of them or like miss. Uh, He's referring directly Bitcoin. to a comment that I said uh, about the the finite number of 21 million um, being essential to the um importance and the proclivity of Bitcoin uh, as a money system for all. And his thought was, and this is, I think, the common thought that exists through, throughout the community uh, of people uh, in America, at least, um, is that they think that Bitcoin is the same as every other. There's an educational problem. They think Bitcoin oh, yeah. is every other cryptocurrency. And, and they also tie it in with the the banks what i call banks uh, of cryptocurrency like the coinbase like the uh um, centralized ex the exchanges yes exactly and so they see those instabilities and they and and understandably so they they attribute those instabilities with bitcoin itself when bitcoin does not have any of those instabilities mm -hmm. in its inherent system um and i think that that is the biggest different there are the biggest um 
difference that people need to make in their thinking about this is they they need to like you said break away bitcoin from both coinbase and, and uh, what's the other one um ftx and ftx and um, Bitcoin itself and, and the stability that it provides is different than the other systems of trading that uh, coin. That those are two totally different things. That's that's like saying money and banks, and we know banks aren't stable, um, and money's not stable. So you got two unstable things versus the same exact system one unstable thing and one stable thing. Um, and we can don't even need the unstable thing. We, there's no necessity for the unstable part of it. Right. Um, it. It's just how we've always done things. So it makes it really easy for people to understand. Uh, and, and that's why they they drive to it. Um, but but I just wanted to, to bring that topic up because I thought uh, I thought one, you'd get a laugh out of it. But yeah. two, I, I think it really, yeah, we can <laughs> the way people think about Bitcoin uh, right now, like mm-hmm. the, they have their understanding is that it's unstable. Their understanding is that it's not scarce there because there are some coins that are not scarce and there are some coins that are not stable. Um, but Bitcoin does not fall into those categories. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, this goes back to the biggest obstacle to Bitcoin adoption is simply education, I think. Um mm-hmm. And there is this inherent nature with the U.S. dollar that there really wasn't an alternative for a long time. And so people are set in their ways um, because for a long time it it saved them a bunch of time and energy and thought to be set in their ways. And they weren't necessarily wrong. Um, They just become slowly more and more wrong over time. And then the floodgates open when Bitcoin became a viable alternative. So now uh, you have a responsibility to educate yourself at this point. I understand it's 2012. You're like, I'm not on weird internet forums talking about weird internet money, but it has proven itself over a long enough period of time. And there has been, there are enough educational resources about the fundamentals of money and why Bitcoin um, is a superior currency that you can disagree with me at the end of the day. uh, But you owe it to yourself and your future, your kids, you know, whatever to take a look at this and start educating yourself on it. And the simple fact that, uh, of what we kind of got into last time is since we went off the gold standard, the amount of pro- productivity is not equal to the amount of um, the ch- change in, in money uh, or the change in value of your money. Right. Um, and, and so because those things are no longer equated across the board, uh, the, it, you owe it to yourself to not get robbed of your own money. Yeah. Like you the sooner already- you educate yourself on this, the sooner you capture more of your own private property. If, What's owed to you? Yeah, if we all if we all adopted this system, it would go back to at least at least the gold standard, right. where we saw for thousands of years we saw an equal production ran equally um, congruent with the value of the money system that they were using. And as soon as we went off of that and started borrowing from the future, uh, it's caused extreme effects and and nobody can argue with that. We're seeing it every day. It's it's almost impossible for a normal person to be able to buy a house. It's almost impossible for a normal person uh, that works a, a good steady job to be able to afford a place to live without renting it. Um, whereas 20 years ago, 30 years ago, houses were between 20 and 
So, yeah. so they just tracked with we- they tracked with wages. They, they tracked with wages a lot better than they do now. They and they become DPEG since 1971, and they've gotten worse. And so a lot of these visuals that we're thinking through right now are on um, WTF happened in 1971, and it's when the the U.S. government went fully depegged from a gold standard. And you can see how all these different effects, how, um, uh, like you mentioned, productivity in at the workplace tracked with wages and uh, automation and technology tracked with wages and houses used to track with wages. Um, and it's not just all comparisons with wages, but um, uh, income inequality, like all the tide was rising pretty equally for everybody. Like everybody was getting richer at pretty proportional amounts uh, before 1971. And then the cancel on effect smashed its way into the picture. And uh, the, the, the 1% completely took off and people blame capitalism in general, because it's way easier to do that than it is to think about the fundamentals of money. And so I'd encourage you to educate yourself on the little, uh, the fundamentals of money. And um, if the 1% didn't have, such privileged access to money and different types of investments um, than the average person. What pro, you know, we could solve so many problems. And this is apolitical, whether you're on the right side, sure. whether you're on the left side, uh, no matter where you come from, we all want our money to have the value that it should have. I think the fair value that it should have based on how much you worked. I think everybody agrees on that. We we disagree about how to get there, but we can all agree that our money system should be pointing in that direction. And That's right now, our money system doesn't point in that direction. Our money system allows for people to take advantage of it. And it almost, I'm not saying that every part of that can be taken away with adopting something like Bitcoin, but we have proven I believe proven, but do your own research. We have proven that most of those advantages that people can can take from the money system would go away if there was a stable uh, coin or a stable unit uh, of tradable uh, of a tradable asset. Um, and and I, I think that that at itself, at its core, should be the most important thing to uh, to us is our, what system are we going to allow ourselves to be governed by as far as our economy goes? Uh, and are we going to allow uh, the government to, to take advantage of us? Are we going to allow other people that are more powerful, powerful than us to take advantage of us? Or are we all going to have fair rules and fair, fair guidelines to play by? Uh, and, and which one of those sounds better to you? Um, and you can be a capitalist and this works. You can be a socialist and this works. It does. Um, we, we don't uh, necessarily agree with all, either one of those, but uh, they work. This it should be the fundamental process that happens before we can even discuss, you know, uh, our, our liberties uh, um, and our freedoms and, and which side of the uh, uh, peg you want to be on. Because right now you're making um, unjust decisions because you can't necessarily understand and neither could I until I read into it, uh, understand why these things are taking place. Um, and you got into to the more specifics of it, but uh, I, I think that that this is the best place to start. If you, if you want the freedoms, if you want on either side, if you want people to have a fair life, um, whether you like it in a capitalistic way or socialistic way, if you want fairness, um, and, and if that's something that's important to you, you should have a fair money system. Yeah, that's a great, yeah, super well said. I, 
fix the money, fix the world is a really bold claim and something takes a while to think about and adopt and believe. Um, but I mean, I think it's true. I think there isn't a single political issue left or right that isn't made much, much better. It's crazy how it works. Um, no matter what political stance you have, it's made better by the introduction of Bitcoin as a money instead of the US dollar or instead of fiat currencies. If you think climate change is a serious problem, Bitcoin fixes this uh, because the entire Bitcoin mining system incentivizes cheaper and cheaper energy. Whatever the cheapest, most efficient energy is, is the place where the hash rate will move is where Bitcoin mining will move. And if we're incentivizing the cheapest power without like this corruption of oil um, and the, the petroleum dollar or subsidies going to random places, you know, it, this optimizes the most efficient energy and the most efficient energy used is good for climate change. Uh, this also gets rid of um, the military industrial complex in the U S empire. If we can't, fund all of these wars by printing because everybody's using Bitcoin, they will have to actually raise the funds to buy the weapons and um, send people overseas. And like, they'll have to actually fund the wars that they're waging. Um, if Think of a, a, a political issue, um, public transportation. I, that, I didn't even think about how Bitcoin could help public transport. I just pulled one out of the air. Public transportation is made better by Bitcoin uh, because the people that ride buses have their purchasing power eroded at two, 3%. Last year, it was in the teens. The, um, the governmental claim, it was like 9% or something. It was more than that. Uh, of their bus fare, it gets eroded every single year because of central currency. And if it was Bitcoin, the, they would have, in, um, there would be deflationary pressure making their Bitcoin worth more and more every year instead of less and less. Like I challenge it, throw any of them, throw a dart at the board, right yeah. or left, you live in a better world based on your political beliefs because Bitcoin is adopted. 1000%. And I think that's a, a, the best place for us to leave it for today. Um, and, and, and next time uh, I'd love to, to finish up on money and, uh, and well, maybe not finish up, but go into the next topic on, on uh, Bitcoin and maybe get into some of uh, civil liberties as well. Um, and, and and do you have any other uh, uh, final words to, to say on, on, I think we did a really good job of summing up the, the fundamentals of money and how it can help us in the future, no matter where your beliefs stand. Yeah, I think we did a good job of getting to all five of them. There are all kinds of topics in every single one of them in terms of history or implications that we didn't even get to. Um, yeah. But I think that was a decent overview. It's a decent place to start thinking about the fundamental, the fundamental characteristics of money and what makes great money. So... Yeah, we'll leave it there and come back. Talk about a different aspect next time. Oh, yeah. Well, that was a lot of fun.